many of you don't know me. Uh, my name is Guy. Uh, I know uh, I'm a small guy. Um, you know, uh, I'm not here to fight with you. I'm here to help you. I believe that God will use me and minister to you uh, in a very uh, uh, blessed way if you open your heart. Um, now, one of the things that we believe strongly in, in this ministry, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I want to preface by saying that um, no one should make drastic changes about their lives because they receive a prophetic word. All right? Because we've seen how uh, a lot of lives have been damaged by the prophetic sometimes there's a misunderstanding and misinterpretation or sometimes people um, that move in this gift have used it in a, in a certain way to manipulate people or whatever. But what I just want to say is that you don't throw away the baby with the bad water. But what I want to say is that, you know, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so be open to that. And also in the context of the New Testament, you know, uh, gifts, the gifts of the Spirit are here for exhortation, edification, when it comes to the prophetic exhortation, edification, and comfort. So God is not here to embarrass you. Because sometimes what will happen is that people get shy or they, 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 you know, if there's a word of knowledge or something like that, they don't want to raise their hands, they don't want to come forward because they're a little bit embarrassed. They think that something bad may happen. So it's out of love. If God is calling you out, it's out of love. It's because he wants to minister to you. Amen? Also, you know, we believe, you know, we believe in the word of knowledge, you know, and sometimes uh, people, um, they don't want to respond to the word of knowledge because they don't want to be embarrassed. And then they wait till after the service and come and ask me to lay hands on them. So I will pray for you because I love you and I want to help you. But let me just tell you a little secret. When the spirit of God moves, that's the best time to get your healing. Because that's when there is an anointing. So if you try to be cute, you know. You, you try to be dignified, you're going to miss your visitation. Let me ask you a question. If somebody threw a life vest at you and you were drowning in the ocean, your favorite color is orange, but they gave you a blue one, would you say, uh, do you have a blue one? <laughs> because the logic of some people's behavior sometimes don't, doesn't make sense to me. Where the spirit of God is moving, God is moving, but they're still like, oh, I don't want to do it. Or, no, 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 jumped in, jumped in. This is the river, right? This is the river. This is the river. You have to jump in. Praise God. So just a few things. And also, I, I understand that the microphones are working. And I understand that you're not deaf. That there's no need for me to shout. And I know that I'm not in a stadium with 20, 30,000 people. But listen, I'm the same preacher in every setting. So probably going to start slow and the temperature is going to go up. There might be an explosion. I don't know what's going to happen. But don't say, why? Why is he screaming at me? No, I'm not. I'm not screaming at you. I'm just excited. You don't have to believe my message because I believe in my own message. You don't have to enjoy it because I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to make myself at home. Glory be to God. I made a decision a long time ago that if I was going to do this for the rest of my life, I was going to enjoy every moment. And I was going to have fun. So whether you get on board or not, I am going to have fun tonight. Praise the Lord. Also, very quickly, we have um, a table of resources. A table of resources. One night with you does not even give me an opportunity just to, to give you a drop of what God has deposited 
into this ministry in terms of revelation, knowledge, and different things. So, you know, if you're hungry for more, there's more. But we're not here on a business trip. Uh, we have a, a strategic design for all our products to go back into. We're involved in, in social outreaches all over the world, especially in poor, poor regions in the world. We're building water wells and doing different things. And one of our, one of our projects that we have right now is in the nation of Burkina Faso. Somebody say Burkina. Can you say Burkina Faso? Can you say Waga Dugu? Can you say Waga Dugu? Say Waga Dugu Burkina Faso. And some of you say you're not spirit filled, but you can say that. It's amazing. You almost speak in tongues. So it's a small nation in Africa where only 20% of people can read and write. So we're in the process of building a school there. It's been, you know, it's been a process. And so anything you're buying on our table, you're going to help us uh, finance that. And even later, they will receive an offering for this meeting. It's also going to go towards that. So, so I want to give something, some things away. Um, this is our latest book. It's on marriage. Somebody say marriage. Um, it's kind of shocking because on top it says, is not all about love. And then it says, marriage rocks, home improvement. <laughs> so it's interesting because a lot of us have the wrong conception about marriage. We think all we need is love. I know the statement that I'm about to make is going to create some problems. If you're going to be married, you're going to need more than just love. Love alone is not, is not enough to make your relationship work. And if you plan on getting married, you, need to, you, need, you equally need to know this. That love is not enough. Love is not enough to save, to save your marriage. Thank you for your overwhelming enthusiasm. <laughs> and you know, there are people who are divorced that still love each other. Hello? <laughs> that means that there was something that came in the relationship that, was, that even love could not, could not save. Hello? So you have to understand that uh, you need to have knowledge. The richest man that ever lived, Solomon in Psalm 24 says what? He said, through wisdom, a house is built. Through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, the rooms are filled with all kinds of precious jewelry. What you need more than love is the knowledge to live with someone of the opposite sex who is different than you. Hello? You see, most people go into marriage with high expectation, but low preparation, which leads into devastation. Hello? And so Dr. Perry, we won the Nobel Peace Prize, did through this research that he made, he discovered that between the 16 and 26 weeks of gestation in the womb, that baby boys have a chemical reaction in the womb that affect the right side of the brain that baby girls do not have. And we understand that the left side of the brain is for logic. The right side of the brain is for caring, conversation, which confirm everything that every, every woman already knows, that every man is born brain damaged. <laughs> Don't raise your hand. It's not an call. So this conflict of left brain and, 
and right brain, the difference is this, you know, before marriage, opposites attract, but after marriage, opposite will irritate. <laughs> Hello? What's the conflict? Left brain, right brain. Hello? You ask a woman that just got off the phone with her mom, has mom, she's able to give you wall to wall, word by word, repeat the entire conversation. You ask a man that gets off the phone with his mom, has mom, mom is fine. <laughs> Hello? You, you ask a woman about her honeymoon, she remembers every detail, what the temperature was like, what, uh, what store they went to, who they met, what she was wearing, what they did. You ask a man about his honeymoon, he remembers he had one. <laughs> What's the difference? Left brain, right brain. Every woman has a 28 day cycle which is made out of 14 days of chemical balance and 14 days of chemical unbalance 14 days of chemical balance that we call days of honey and roses and 14 days of chemical unbalance that we call days of lightning and thunder hello so a man gets off work he gets home and she's waiting for him at the door wearing a negligee with rose in her in her mouth and he sweeps her off the floor, takes her into the bedroom, arrives a few moments later with a bang on his chest and say, it must be the cologne that I wore today. The next day coming, he gets off, he gets off work earlier because, because now his left, left brain logic is in high gear. He gets off, he gets off work earlier and he's rushing through traffic going home because he's expecting a repeat. But when he shows up, she's nowhere to be found. She's not, in, she's not in the living room. She's not in the kitchen. She's not in the bedroom. She's sitting down somewhere. She's in tears. And he reaches down trying to comfort her. And she barks at him and says, don't touch me, you ape. All you think about is sex, 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 and you want my body. <laughs> what has happened? Days of lightning and thunders I begin. So isn't it interesting that your state of California will not let you get on the road unless you take some lessons to learn how to drive. Unless you read a book. Unless you take a test. A theoretical test and a practical test. And only after you pass the test that they give you a license that certify that you are able to drive. But the same government, all they care about is that if you have enough brain to find the door of the courthouse, they will give you a marriage license. Hello? No wonder sometimes your car lasts longer than your marriage. And many of you get into car accidents. How many of you have ever been in a car accident? And how many of you still drive? No problem. Because you're prepared to drive that situation. Then when you get hurt in a relationship, hurt in a marriage, guess what? You say, I'm not going to do this anymore. All men are evil. All women are evil. Why? You are prepared to drive your car, but you're not prepared to drive that situation called marriage. Everybody say this. Knowledge comes before operation. Hello? That's why it's important for you to take the time 
to study, to prepare yourself to get married. So this is why we, we've done some marriage seminars all over the world and people are always blessed. So I am going to give this to somebody today. Oh, yes. <laughs> I make all the important decisions in that marriage. <laughs> but she decides what decisions are important. Thank you. <laughs> and then this, this is a message on transition. I want to give this to somebody. Transition is more than just change. You know, you will never outgrow the message of transition. From the time you're born to the time you die, you're always going to be in some kind of transition. But here's the problem with most people. You see, see, transition is a period of time when we change from one season to another, or from one state to another, or from one condition to another. But here's the problem for most people. Most people confuse change with transition. Hello? But transition is more than just change. Change precipitate transition. Start transition. But change is different. I remember uh, my my beautiful wife that you see here is originally from Belgium. You know, and and I live in Dallas ever since I was a teenage boy. And um, so when we got married, that was a big change because she migrated from, uh, from Belgium all the way to Dallas. And so, but I remember the first two years of her marriage and when she used to talk about home, it was not our home in Dallas. Home for her was still Belgium. <laughs> when she talked about her church, it was not, we, we were part of a church, we were based out of a church in Dallas. When she talked about her church, it was not the church in Dallas, it was the church in Europe. I mean, two years into our marriage, it was like that. So I remember, uh, you know, uh, one time we were, we were flying from uh, Shanghai going back to Dallas after a time of ministry in China. And she said to me, I'm excited to go home. And I said to her, you know, we're not going back to Europe for another two months. She said, no, I'm excited to go home to Dallas. Hello? But two years earlier, the change took place. And you know, I got I to I gotta explain to you that when she moved here, there was no issue at all. She hit the ground running. She, you know, all the stuff that we do around the world, she, that, was not, that was nothing. For, she, she just did everything. But it was just that little thing where her home was still in Europe. And so, but in, in the second year, after the, the change took place, now she made the transition. The home was no longer in Europe. It was now in Dallas. The church, her home church was no longer in Europe. It was now in Dallas. And this is what happens to many people when there's a significant change that takes place in their lives. There's a change, but they never make the transition. And that's a problem. It's a problem in relationship. You have married people that are still acting as if they're single. Don't raise your hand. That's not an article. You have people who move from one church to the next church, and they, after they spend the entire effort trying to get into the new church, now they're trying to change the new church into the old church. A new pastor comes into the new church. They're excited about the new pastor. But then now and then they always say, you know when pastor so-and-so was here, you know? <laughs> this is the way he did things. You know when pastor so-and-so was here, 
This is the way we used to do things. And then we do a little investigation. We go talk to pastor so-and-so. We discover that, as a matter of fact, when he was here, you never supported him. You give him the most problems. As a matter of fact, when you decide to leave the church at that time, he was so happy that you left. <laughs> you see, it's been said there are two ways to become popular in your own church. It's by dying or living. <laughs> Suddenly, everybody begins to quote you as a frame of reference. Can you imagine when Joshua took over Moses? I'm sure people walk up to him and say, you know when Brother Mo was here? As a matter of fact, he, he, he never touched the rock. He just, spoke to, he just spoke to the rock. Or as a matter of fact, he, he never spoke to the rock. He just hit it. When there's a change, people don't make the transition. That's where, that's where there's conflict. But you got to learn how to transition. You have the end zone. Basically, transition has three phases. You have the end zone, something end or start. Then you have the neutral zone when you are in between after the change. Then you have the beginning zone when the change is complete. When you're comfortable in the new season, when you're comfortable in the new relationship, when she was comfortable in America enough to make it home, she made the transition. Amen? And and so it's a cycle that continues to go for every single change that comes in your life. And unfortunately, think about this. This is a message that is so powerful and so important. An entire generation die in the wilderness because they never made the transition. So you can die. You can die in the gap. Tell somebody you need to learn how to navigate the gap. Between your current life stage and your future destiny. I want to give this to somebody. Anybody wants this? Over there? Over there? Over there? Over there? What? Okay, she said come and get it. She said come and get it. He's a tough dude. (laughs) Ah. So the the study guide comes, the the, the book of marriage comes with a study guide with reflective questions for couple. I'll encourage you guys to get that. With conversation started, questions for discussions for groups, so, and so on and so on. And we have a lot of good jokes on the study guide, so I won't tell you any jokes tonight, but I already told you enough. So, Let's go tonight to uh, to Second um, Kings chapter four. Second Kings chapter four. If you dare say Amen. Maybe after all, I should tell you a joke from the study guide while you're trying to find the Bible verse. <laughs> Marriage is an institution in which a man loses his bachelor's degree and the woman gets her master's. How do men define a 50-50 relationship? We cook, they eat. We clean, they dirty. We iron, they wrinkle. (laughs) Glory be to God. All right, that's all I'm going to do. Are you there? Second Kings chapter 4. Second Kings chapter 4. Beginning on the uh, 8th verse. On the 8th verse. Now, it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by that he would turn in there to eat some food. 
And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there. And a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Skip all the way down to verse 14. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time. Somebody say, about this time. Next year, you shall embrace a son. Thank you very much. And she said, no, my Lord, men of God, do not lie to your maid servant. Verse 17. But the woman conceived. Somebody say, but the woman conceived. And bore a son. When the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. One translation speaks about the appointed season. The appointed season. And our last scripture reading is going to be in the New Testament. Out of the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groaning which cannot be uttered the word helps in the greek is a word sonantelabanai pronounced sonantelabano which means Say this with me. To come together against. That's what it means. To come together against. That's important. And then weakness. Weakness here is translated in the Greek. Asthenia. Asthenia for uh, infirmities. But it also means the inability to produce result. Somebody say the inability. To produce result. When you, when you have a weakness, you have the inability to produce result. So the spirit will sonantela banai. The spirit will sonantela bano. The spirit will come together with you against your inability to produce result. And that's what we call help. All right. Let's stand up one more time. Raise our hands towards heaven. Hallelujah. Raise our hands towards heaven. Let's stand up. There is. Let's raise our hands if you can. Say this with me. Say, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come before you. I boldly declare that I believe in the supernatural. I believe in miracles. This evening, Lord, I ask you to give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to receive. A will to obey and faith to act. In the name of Jesus, I take my position in Christ and I take authority over every spirit that does not confess the name of Jesus 
I command them to leave this place. And I declare that this place is an open heaven. The Holy Spirit is free to move. The angels of God are ascending and descending. They are going to and fro to execute the commands of God's word. Preach Holy Spirit. Teach Holy Spirit. Prophesy Holy Spirit. Heal the sick God. Do what only you can do. And take all the glory in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Can you burn with a shout and say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I'm speaking tonight on the subject of breakthrough. Breakthrough is a sudden advance of God's power that propels us beyond walls of limitation. Somebody say breakthrough. Breakthrough. And breakthrough can be uh, physical in nature. Somebody that is ill and needs a miracle. When they get the miracle, that is the breakthrough. Amen. Like we were in the in a little city of Kaufman, Texas, doing a, a, a miracle service there. And when we were taking testimony at the end, and a gentleman said something, he said, um, the Lord healed my eye. I was blind in this eye, and I am healed. Well, that, that was awesome, right? So, but he said, you don't understand. You don't understand. I said, what I don't understand? He said, you don't understand. I was kicked by a horse on this eye here. What I have here on this eye is a glass eye. It's a glass eye and I can see through a glass eye. Have you ever heard a testimony that made a believer out of a preacher? And I said, um, can, you, can we test it? Can you show me? Can you close your good eye and can you read? And sure enough, he could read what was on the screen. Come on. That's a breakthrough. Only God can do something like that. Somebody shot breakthrough. You know, breakthrough, it can be physical. We were in the nation of Malaysia where I was preaching on the glory of God and the power of God hit the building. And people were, some people were laughing. Some people were crying. Some people were shaking under the power of God. And there was a lady in that meeting that lost 50 pounds. And on her testimony is that during that time, something started to turn in the area of her belly. And she literally, her pants were falling off. And actually, I met last year with a pastor of that church. He told me the lady is still in her church. Come on, somebody. That's a breakthrough. How many days it will take you to lose 50 pounds? And in one moment, in the glory of God, the lady lost 50 pounds. And ever since then, I've tried to lay hands on myself, but I don't get the same result. (laughs) Somebody shout breakthrough. Breakthrough, breakthrough. It can be a physical. We were at Pastor Janice Church and in, in Roseville here like a couple of years ago where the Lord gave me a word for people who wanted to have babies. And there was like how many couples? Nine? Eight, eight, there were eight, eight of those that were standing there within the same year. They were all pregnant and gave birth, gave birth to healthy babies. Nine came up. Nine came up and eight got babies. Come on. How many of you know there are many people that are trying to have babies and they can't? But just a moment in the Holy Ghost. Come on. And the fact that they gave birth just about nine months till to the time we pray for them. Come on. How many, how many of you know that's a breakthrough? 
Hallelujah. Glory be to God. It can be physical. It can be, it can be biological. It can also be economical. There was a man uh, from the nation of China that came to one of our business seminar in the nation of Singapore. I was teaching on streams of kingdom revenue, speaking about the release of wealth in the end time, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the end time upon the business community to finance the gospel in the world. And we, I was praying for business people, the power of God descended the building. There were business people falling down. And I didn't even know this man was there. He fell down. He fell down. And while he was in the spirit, he saw a formula. He called it the miracle formula. He wrote it in his Bible and he went back to China and he met with all his engineers, I think six of them in his company. And he told them, I want you to go and implement this formula and I want you to do this. And they said, this is never going to work. He said, if you want to keep your job, you do it. And sure enough, they did it. And he invented something that was very rare for a for large company. He has a factory with 13,000 workers. That was just on the eve of the crisis in 2008 in 2009 i was in hong kong and he flew down to to meet me in my hotel with an interpreter to explain to me what had happened he said that he made millions of dollars because of this invention while every other company was going under his company went over come on how many of you know that's a breakthrough Hallelujah. I can talk to you about the lady that came to a meeting one time in Dallas when I was still based uh, at Christ for the Nation. She, she discovered that her baby, her eight-month baby was dead in the womb. And she came to this meeting that we had, we used to have called 911 Prayer Emergency. She came into this meeting and I lay hands on, on her womb and command that baby to come back to life. And I told her to go back. She said, when I pray, when I lay hands on her, she felt the baby kicking in out of her stomach and she went back to the doctor and the baby was alive and she gave birth to a healthy baby come on somebody somebody shot breakthrough so the message tonight is not just a theological observation but is an observation that can touch every aspect of your life breakthrough is a certain advance of god's power that propels us beyond walls of limitation in second king chapter four We are introduced to, remember, we only read about one. Uh, The the Shunammite woman, she lives in a place called Shunam. Shunam was known historically and geographically as the two resting places. Somebody said the two resting places. It was the valley north of Jezreel, and it was the south of Mount Jeboah. In other words, it was a valley. One part of Shunam was a valley or a low place. Somebody say a low place. Another place was a mountain. Somebody see, say a high place. She's living the territory where she's in. is comprised, the landscape has a low place, the valley north of Israel, and a high place, the south of Mount Deboa. Somebody say a low place and a high place. What are the spiritual implications of living in a place that is low and a place that is high? It simply means that in one area of your life, you have a weakness. and another area of your life, you have strength. So it's kind of like dichotomy, synergy of opposite forces that works together. The Bible takes the time to tell us that she was a notable woman. One translation said a wealthy woman. So her wealth, her notoriety was her high place. But on the same breath, the Bible also tells us that she has no son. And that her husband was old. 
Translation, even if she could have children, the thing she was married to was dead. That's some people's problem. Who you're connected to is dead. And that's the issue with your life. Just moving right along. I'm chasing a rabbit. It has some meat, but I'm going to stop right there. The thing she was married to could not produce. So she's not dealing with one impossibility, but she's dealing with two impossibilities. Oh, so her high place, her strength was that the fact that she was wealthy, but her low place is that she's dealing with double impossibilities. In other words, she can't have a child and her husband is too old to have a child. Everybody is dealing with a high place and everybody is dealing with a low place. I know you got your church clothes on and your church face on and you're all holy and I see the halo over you, but the truth would be if I interview you, I will find that there's still at least one area of your life where you need to break through and one area of your life where you are okay. Early in the chapter, we are introduced to the widow of the prophet Obadiah. Theologian believes she is. He left, he died and left her in a credibility gap. She's in debt. She doesn't just have any kind of debt. Can you imagine not paying your mortgage and the credit company says they're coming to take your two sons? That's how bad, that's the translation of what was happening. So the debt was so bad that her the creditor was about to take her son. So, so here's a woman, her high place is what? She, had, she got children. But her lower place is what? She got no money. She's broke. And the two women, think about this. This seems like what is one person's strength is another person's weakness. The Shunammite was wealthy, but has no child. But the widow of the prophet has some kid, but she's broke. You see, everybody has a high place. That's the point. Because that seems to be a broad brush. But everybody has a high place. And everybody has a low place. And sometimes when you stand in front of somebody that is operating in the area of their strength, it can be intimidating intimidating because that is an area of your weakness. Think about the Shunammite looking at the widow. What does this money do me any good when I don't even have a kid that I can spoil it on? And think about the widow of the prophet. I wish I had some of that money. I would take my kids on vacation. I put them on private school. I buy myself a new car. I move in a better neighborhood. Hello, what's the point? Everybody is dealing with a high place. And everybody is dealing with a low place. Everybody is dealing with a place of strength. And everybody is dealing with a place of weakness. Everybody is dealing with a place of advantage. And everybody is dealing with a place of disadvantage. But I am not a bad news preacher. I am a good news preacher. Because the Bible says it fell on a day. The day in itself had no distinction. Except for the fact that the prophet of God showed up on that day. For the people in Shunem, it was business as usual. It was not a day of the feast. It was not a day of revival. 
It was not a day of a special conference. She was minding her own business in her house when the prophet of God decided to show up. <laughs> Brought an, an interruption in her calendar. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but this is about to be a prophetic word for somebody. You see, the scripture tells us that when the prophet came, it didn't pass by her situation. He went inside of a situation. He didn't look over her circumstance. He went inside of her circumstance. He went inside of her house and he said what is to be done for her? Oh she has no son and her husband is old. She's dealing with a double impossibility and so the prophet prophesied. He said about this time next year you will embrace a son. In other words about this time next year your low place shall become your high place. About this time next year, your disadvantage will change into your advantage. About this time next year, where you lack no favor, you will get the favor. About this time next year, where the door is closed, God will open a bigger door. About, I don't know who I'm preaching to. Oh, I'm here to prophesy to somebody that is listening to me tonight and you don't have to receive it. I will take the blessing myself and go back home with it about this time next year oh god is gonna take somebody's low place and change it into a high place somebody's disadvantage and change it into the advantage somebody lack of favor and change it into a favor a door that was closed a bigger better door is gonna open that's good preaching glory better god hallelujah Somebody, I dare you to prophesy to the atmosphere and say glory three times. Prophesy to the atmosphere and say glory, glory. Three times. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I see, I see a healing taking place. I see somebody, somebody's neck. You have a compression in your neck, a tension around your neck, and it's pulling down all the way down into your back. And I, I can see it. I can see it. See the Holy Spirit is working on your back from, from, from your neck all the way down. Glory be to God. There's a healing. There's an operation of power. There's an activity of power. If you just raise your hand right now, this is a word of knowledge. I'm going to pray for you. And I believe the healing power of God is going to touch you. Stand up. Stand up. Get out of your seat and come down here right now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Take a deep breath. Breathe. 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 Healing virtue. Flow. Healing virtue. Flow. Hallelujah. There's going to be a reinforcement. I see a reinforcement. Stand right down prophesying now. Don't walk away. there's going to be a reinforcement in your walk there's going to be a strength because I see you pulling you're pulling there there's so many that are standing behind looking at you as an example and God wants to shine a light through you so I see a strength coming over you for this grace of leadership for this grace of modeling modeling a template of what it can be if on if you align yourself with God not only there's a healing virtue that's coming over you there's an alignment there's a destiny alignment so I see you taking destiny step I never met you in my life before but I see you're standing 
sitting on a crossroad and there are things that you're pondering and thinking, should I go to the front or should I go to the left? But I see a sense of clarity coming over you and the spirit of the Lord is stirring things in your spirit. So as you align yourself and let go of certain things, align yourself and pursue other things, you're going to see it come to pass. So I loose it over you now in Jesus name. You can go back to your seat now. No, 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 no. I'm not done with you. What's wrong with people here? I'm not done. Glory, better God. Woo. Glory, 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 glory. There's an anointing around you, sister. I don't know. You can see it. I see like a swirl around you. Glory be to God. The Lord is touching your bones. Your bones. Your bones. Your bones are getting touched. Your joints are getting touched. Hallelujah. There's an alignment that's coming over you around your sleeping pattern. Hallelujah. You only get a few hours of sleep every night. But this is a time where burden is changing shoulder. The Spirit of God is moving over you. And there's a new peace. There's a new joy that's coming over you. Hallelujah. I hear the word morning may endure for the night but joy cometh in the morning i don't know who you've lost or, or what you've lost but as i hear that it's turning it's turning it's turning joy touch heal 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 who thank you jesus hallelujah glory better god over there in the back come down here right now you can come if he doesn't want to come you can come hallelujah so I, I, strength is coming to you. New strength. I hear the word new strength. New strength. It's almost as if you're the end of your role. Hallelujah. But there's been a tenacity and a determination to press in for God. I see challenges in, in several fronts. In the financial front and the relationship front. It seems like you've been sandwiched and caught in the middle. And by the time you turn to this side, this one over here, it's out of control. Hallelujah. But right now, there's a release of a fresh anointing, a fresh power that is coming. I believe that the month of March is going to be a month of miracle for you. March for miracle. March for miracle. March for miracle. I see a breakthrough coming and I loose it now. Yes, the harvest, the harvest is coming. You've sown seed, but the harvest is coming. You've sown seed, but the harvest is coming. I release it now. Go ahead and rejoice. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Somebody shout about this time. Shout about this time. Shout about this time. About this time. Say about this time. Next year. Can you help me preach this? About this time. Next year. Whoo! Glory be to God. I speak and release the grace of God in your life. Hallelujah. Ooh, thank you, Father God. So there's going to be a sense of clarity where there's confusion. There's going to be clear visibility where the visibility is short. There's going to be understanding in so many things. There's going to be an enlargement that's come over you. So this is a season where I see a new rhythm in your step, a new rhythm in your step, a new rhythm. Everything that is out of sync, it's coming together. As you press into the Lord, not into men, but into the Lord, 
There's going to be that download. There's going to be that release. Hallelujah. And I speak healing over you. I speak healing over you. Not just in your body, but in your mind. In your, in, in your, in your body, in your back. I release it now in Jesus name. Amen. You can go back to your seat right now. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. You also have a problem with your back and your neck? Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Just take two steps forward. Two steps forward. Come a little bit closer. Thank you, Jesus. Are you in pain right now? Oh, glory be to God. So you will know if God heals you because you will have no pain. Just take a deep breath right now. Woo! Hallelujah. Your breathing is your breathing is getting ministered to. Your upper respiratory system is getting ministered to. I see you going up the stairs and there's a struggle and it's like you're hyperventilating. The Spirit of God is touching you right now. In the name of Jesus, take a deep breath. Receive your healing now. In Jesus' name, receive your healing now. In Jesus' name, you can walk back and go to your seat. Thank you, God. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody say about this time. Next time, next year. Your low place will become your high place. Your weakness will become your strength. Your disadvantage will become your advantage. Where there is a closed door, God will open a better door. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Yes. And someone say, how is this going to happen? You see, Elisha represent, he's a prophet. He represents the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says what? When we do not know how to pray because of our asthenia, weaknesses, our inability to produce result. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit will help. The Spirit will come together with us against our inability to produce the result. I don't know who I'm preaching to. It is not by might. It is not by power. But by my Spirit, says the Lord. When Elijah prophesied, there was a release of an activity of power. An operation of the Spirit. A knowledge of the Spirit that changed the atmosphere and display the power of darkness and the curse of barrenness and the blessing was released and life was released. The Holy Spirit will come together with you against your inability to produce results. I dare you to shout glory. Now it is it is a great prophetic concept in terms of speaking about a top line blessing. A promise is a legally binding declaration that gives to the person to whom is made the right to expect the performance of a specific act. Promise, promise. A legally binding declaration that gives to the one to whom is made the right to expect the performance of a specific act. So he prophesied. He's given her a promise. The scripture is a book of promise. And even when the prophetic word comes, many times it is conditional. That means that we ha- there's a bottom, there's a bottom part, a bottom line responsibility that is connected to the top line blessing. There's a top line blessing which represents what God wants to do. 
But there is a bottom line responsibility. So many times God can give you a prophetic word. But when you don't work your part, sometimes that's why it doesn't come to pass. Hello? God has tied himself irrevocably to human cooperation in the execution of his purpose. He has made man's fate the determining factor in redemption. And sometimes we expect God to do something while God is expecting us to do something in order for God to do what we expect him to do. And many of us are very spiritual and we, we take a religious posture posture, and want to sound very spiritual. When people ask you about something, you say something like, well, you know, I'm, I'm waiting on the Lord. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm waiting on the Lord. And we, we, wanna, we, want, we want people to think that we're really super spiritual. We are. Um, I'm really waiting on the Lord. Hello? You know, some people that are believing God for a job. Some Christians that are believing God for a job and they are waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. They're living in a, in, in, in a virtual, spiritual reality world. In their mind, they think that a job is going to get on, in a cab and, and go to the address and ring the bell and say, hello, my name is Job. Would you like to have me? I got vacation package. We got bonuses at the end of the year. There's a difference between Faith and presumption. Faith and foolishness. What are you trying to say? I am a, I'm, I'm crazy about the supernatural. But I'm also balanced. So a lot of times we miss it when we all live it on the hand of God. There are things that we have to do to collaborate to get our breakthrough. Hello? We have a lot of baby Christians. Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Give me, give me, give me, give me. What can your church do for me? What can your church do for me? What can your church do for me? They don't participate. They don't give. They don't support the ministry. They don't do anything as if they want. They just expect everything to fall down from heaven. Hello? And they're the most critical people that you ever meet. They do the least and demand the most. There are people, you know, they think that God died and left them in charge. They think they work for the spiritual police of the body of Christ. They're there to analyze and criticize everything, creating more problems in churches than helping. I remember what JFK said. He said, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I'm going to steal that from him and twist it a little bit. Ask not what your church can do for you, but ask what you can do for your church. Glory be to God. So the point being, there are some bottom line proposition responsibilities. We can learn from this woman and there's some things that we can do to position ourselves if we are going to get breakthroughs in our lives. And I want to I do some uh, uh, exegetical extrapolation from this text. I'll give you principles for your breakthrough. Here's the first one. One of the principles that separates breakthrough people from prophetic people, breakthrough people from average people, one of the principles that separates breakthrough people from average people is what I call 
the principle of prophetic apprehension. Say prophetic apprehension. Uh, apprehension, we know apprehension to be having a negative intuition about something bad that is about to happen. Ladies, you know that. You say things to your, things to your husband like, don't talk to that woman. I don't have a bad feeling about this. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I can't explain it. I just got a bad feeling about it. What is that? You have an apprehension. You don't feel comfortable in your spirit. Now, ladies, you know this. This works very well with you. And, and I remember when my, first, my wife, uh, you know, we were kind of getting together. She came to the United States. To, she was going to meet with my pastor see if this thing was from God or I was just in, in the flesh. And so she was staying at my best friend's house. And I had a meeting that was, uh, that was in, in progress. I was meeting with a book publisher and a movie producer. A book publisher, his dad had a, a publishing house. And they wanted to have a control of one of my books, books in a particular nation. And this, his, he came with his friend who was a movie producer and he was trying to raise money where if you give him a certain amount of money, when the movie come out, you will multiply your money. So I'm having this business in progress. We're, we're talking and so she comes over and we're supposed to go somewhere and uh, she walks, she says hello and she walks and goes to the kitchen and disappears somewhere. When these two gentlemen leave, she says to me, don't do anything with these two people. She did, she did, she did. I mean, she didn't know them from, from any, anywhere. She said, um, the book publisher is a liar and the producer is a crook. So I said, uh, lady, who do you think that you are? Coming from Europe and a man's house in Dallas, Texas. And tell me, so they said, this, this guy's a book publisher. He was my student for three years. I taught him in college here. And that is his friend. You don't even know these people. How can you judge them? So my wife doesn't, she speaks and she backs off. She doesn't say anything. So sure enough, on Tuesday of the following week, we discover that the book publisher was a liar. And that the movie producer was a scam artist. When a man, when a man marries the right woman, he is complete. But if he marries the wrong woman, he is finished. And if the right one ever catches him with the wrong one, he's completely finished. <laughs> My wife earned her stripes. That's why I always listen to her. Even when we go to some dangerous places, he said, you bring your bodyguard. I say, yes, the lady with the blonde hair. She sees things in the spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, that was, an, that was an apprehension. She saw something in the spirit. Discerning of the spirit. Now, listen. God is not just interested in letting you know when something bad is about to happen. Apprehension. Negative intuition. God is equally interested in letting you know when something good is about to happen 
And that is a prophetic apprehension. And that's what's happening here in the text. In the middle of double impossibility, the prophet is telling the woman, don't miss it, about this time next year, something good. Somebody shout, something good. Something good. Something good is about to happen. Something good is about to happen. Something good is about to happen. But here's the difference between prophetic people and average people. A prophetic person, even with a difficult circumstance, will grab it in the spirit and take it by faith. Hello? I remember when we were buying our base in Dallas. We're in a situation we bought. We, we were, we're bidding on this property and we were going to the far east. So we left the money with a, the earnest money with a real estate agent. And while we're in the far east, I had a prophetic dream in the night. And I told my wife, something is going on. And so I stepped, I stepped out of the bed and I went in the closet and prayed for about an hour and 13 minutes in the spirit. Fighting that thing that was coming against. And sure enough, the next day, I got a text message from the real estate agent saying that uh, the bank rejected the offer to make a higher offer. But I was not shaken by it, even though I was outside of the country. I just went ahead and made the extra offer and we were able to purchase the property. But you see, it was warfare in the realm of the spirit. God showed me something and I was able to take it without natural information. And when the information came after, I was able to deal with it. And so sometimes when we lack prophetic sensitivity, we don't recognize that this is a moment that has the ability and the potential to shift a situation. And we ignore it because we're so governed by our natural senses. But the Bible says that I have not seen, no ear heard, no enter into the heart of man. The things that the Lord has prepared for those that love him. But the spirit has revealed them to us. For the spirit search all things and knows all things, even the deep things of the spirit. Hallelujah. And that's what can happen when you hear a message. Do you remember when Elizabeth was visiting with Mary and suddenly the baby leaped in the womb because the baby recognized something from a place of darkness. And I'm telling you that the Spirit of God can move in prayer, can move in worship, can move during the preaching and something will begin to stir inside of your spirit. And if you have a prophetic sensitivity, you will get up you will grab it you will rejoice and recognize that this is my moment shout glory three times shout glory three times Woo! about this time next year this time next year and listen to the woman how did she respond in the middle of this prophetic moment she said, please, man of God, don't lie to me. In other words, don't get my hopes up. In other words, I heard this before. In other words, don't try to hype it up. I've been in the church for 35 years. I've been around the block a couple of times. I don't need to get too much excited. Don't get your hopes up. Somebody said, this is Yuka. 
This is not Dallas. Listen, you got to shake all of that off. Hello? The woman did not step in. Her mind already convinced her that she could never receive a miracle. Do you know that God can try to give something to you, but your mind will talk you out of it? Please, man of God, don't lie to me. Somebody say prophetic apprehension. Somebody shout, I'm not a doubter. I'm a believer. I'm not a feeler. I am a believer. I believe it before I see it. Before I know it. I believe it. It is mine. The breakthrough is mine. The favor is mine. The open door is mine. This is my year. This is a good year. To have a good year. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And folks, this is not just about getting stuff. It's about you. Some of you are bound by an addiction. This is your year. Some of you are bound by, by a dysfunction. This is your year. Some of you have stuff in your life that you hit about yourself. This is your year. The anointing of God can break the yoke and you can be free in Jesus' name. Somebody shout prophetic apprehension. That's one of the first principles. Secondly, prophetic time. Somebody say prophetic time. She got to understand the concept of prophetic time. Prophetic time. Prophetic time. It's, the Bible says it fell on the day. It fell on a day. Verse 8. It fell on a day that the prophet Elisha came. The day itself that has no distinction among the people. Remember later on when her husband decided, when she decided to go see the prophet, the prophet says to her, uh, the husband said to her, it's neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. In other words, if God has to move, it has to be a special time. And there are people like that. The only way we're going to get a miracle. We got to have some special services. We got to have a special somebody that has to come. Listen, it was in her home where this happened. She got to expect miracles everywhere. Whenever the Holy Spirit decides to move, step into it. It doesn't have to be in a church service. Some of the biggest miracles that we've seen. We didn't have the band behind singing. We didn't have, it was an emergency room when I laid hands on a lady that was dead in Oklahoma. She was raised from the dead in front of two doctors and four nurses. Hello? So you, you have to be able to move when the spirit of God moves. It fell on the day. The day in itself had no distinction except for the fact that God decided to intervene on that day. There are two flows of time in the kingdom. You have chronos on a day, chronos, chronological, wristwatch, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, chronos. And then she received, she gave birth according to the word of that season. That season, season is the word kairos or opportune time. Opportune time, a window of opportunity. Window of opportunity. So you have, you have chronos and you have kairos. Chronos, chronological. As a community, we're synchronized in time. We have the same exact demarcation of time. You know, black, red, yellow, American, Indian, Mexican. Everybody has 60 seconds in a minute. 
Thank you for your enthusiasm. 60 minutes in an hour. 24 hours in the day. The rich man cannot buy an extra minute. And the scientists cannot invent an extra minute. That is the chronos. That is the chronos. We are chronological, chronologically synchronized. But then we have the, the, uh, the kairos, which is translated in the scripture as season. So the idea is that the season is the higher thing. The chronos is the lower thing. And so because those two things are not even synchronized in the natural, we're having a debate about global warming. Why? Well, the day is not acting the way it's supposed to be. How come we're having cold days in the summertime? How come we're having, you know, warm days in the winter? Something is messed up. Global warming. But then even in the realm of the spirit, in the kingdom of God, the chronos is the lower thing. The kairos is the higher thing. So, but in the natural, you don't have the power to change your season. So John chapter 5 says that at a certain season, kairos, there was an angel that came and stirred the water. And whosoever jumped in first was healed. Whosoever recognized the window of opportunity and was wise enough to jump in, they went from a season of sickness into a season of healing at a certain season when there was a kairos in the middle of a chronos. I don't have the power to change my season, but God changes my season by usually interjecting a prophetic moment into my chronos. If I can recognize it and jump into it, God can change my season. This was a chronological day. It fell on a day that Elisha came to Shunem and he came and the Bible says he prophesied and the woman conceived according to the season of that word. In other words, there was a kairos in the middle of the chronos and when the word came out, was interjected into her chronological order, something shifted and she went from a season of barrenness into a season of multiplication. I don't know who I'm preaching to. I'm here to say to you tonight that God is opening a window of opportunity over this church over your life and you have enough sense to understand like the son of Issachar the Bible said they were under they were wise because they understood the time and the season glory better God I don't know about you but this is my Kairos moment I say I don't know about you but this is my Kairos moment I don't know about you, America, but America, this is your Kairos moment. River Church, this is your Kairos moment. Come on, you've been going through some ups and downs, but God is opening a window of opportunity for this church right here with new leadership, with fresh blood, with fresh anointing, and you have an opportunity to step into it and see God do a great work here in Yucca City. Come on, somebody. About this time next year, this church, come on. God is taking you from the lower place to the higher place. He's changing your disadvantage into your advantage. He's changing your weakness into your strength. The money will come. The blessing will come. This church is going to grow. It's going to double because God's hand is on you. Hallelujah. I prophesy. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Woo, somebody shout about this time. Next year. Third point is this prophetic place. You got to understand the prophetic place. 
This is the place where the anointing is manifest. If you're walking your dog and you feel the anointing, that's your prophetic place, man. You, you know, if you, if, I'm telling you if, you, if you're in your house and you feel, you feel a visitation from the, that's your prophetic place. Come on, somebody. If you're driving with your car and you feel an unction of the Holy Ghost, that is your prophetic place. Glory to me. Tonight, this is your prophetic place. Hallelujah. Don't walk away from this place and say, that was a nice message. That was a, no, no, no. This is your prophetic place. It's the place where miracle happened. For her, it was at her house. Hallelujah. But then she did something. So if you understand your prophetic apprehension, prophetic time, and the prophetic place, what did she do, this woman? She prepared herself. She positioned herself, knowingly or not knowingly. She prepared herself for her breakthrough. The scripture said, she said to her husband, I perceive. That this holy man of God, this man of God who passes by us is a holy man. In other words, she recognized that there was an anointing. Glory be to God. And she was saying, I'm not just interested in visitations. I'm not just interested in visitation. I want to capture this thing. Come on, I am hungry for more. Just a little visit passing by here. No, 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 no. I want to capture this thing. I want to capture the anointing. Let us build a room on the wall. I want to capture this thing. I don't know about you. Your level of hunger will determine the level of your visitation. The level of your hunger will determine the level of your visitation. She was so hungry for God that she decided, I am going to capture this anointing. I'm not going to let it go. Think about Jacob. You can talk about Jacob all what you want, but it was something about him. There was a hunger. He wrestled with God. Come on. He wrestled with God. He said, I won't let you go until you bless me. Lord, give me a church full of people who are so hungry for God that they will not care about what else is happening and say, God, kill me. I won't let you go until you bless me. I won't let you go until you change me. I refuse to leave the same way I came in. I want to have an encounter with God. She built a room on the wall. Somebody shout, she made room for the anointing. Oh, this is so good. She made room for the anointing. And she made not just room for the anointing. She made room for the supernatural to be manifested in her life. Then only that she made room for signs and wonders to take place in her life. She made room for breakthrough to take place in her life. How many times some of us are just standing outside on the edge of the river. Watching other people enjoying the river. You know, we are moving from a Davidic paradigm into an Ezekiel paradigm. In the Davidic paradigm, David said, the anointing is on my head. But in the Ezekiel paradigm, come on, this is a river church. The river started from an ankle, ankle deep. 
Come on, knee deep, waist deep, and then water in which one must swim. That determines different level of hunger. Some people get in the river, it's just ankle deep. They're playing church. Ah, praise God. That was a good service. Hallelujah. I'm ready to go back into my backsliding, my smoking, my drinking, my sleeping around, and now I'm not reading the Bible. Hello? Some people get into the river, come on, knee deep. Knee deep simply means uh, whoo, they pray, they pray, they pray, they get knee deep. Oh, your prayer is the prayer life is activated. You started to pray. Oh, some people get into waist deep. Come on. That's when you start to be reproductive. Your reproductive system is being activated. You've captured the anointing and you're pressing to the anointing. Other people get into a level where the, the one must swim. Now you lose control and you let God take you into the next dimension. You make room for the supernatural and say, God, I don't just want you to come control my feet. I want you to control my knee. I want you to control my life. I want you to control my money and control my time and control my heart and control my mind. I want you to touch me from the top of my head to the sole of it. I build a room for the Holy Ghost. I build a room for the anointing. I'm not here to play games. I'm serious with God. I'm not here to play church. Glory be to God. She got to make room. She got to make room for God, folks. Don't get jealous when somebody else get visited. I've been here for 35 years. She's just been saved two months. She's already getting the blessing. What is your level of commitment? What are you, are you, are you dating God or are you married to God? Is this a game to you? You think this is a political party where we have to take your opinion in consideration about everything that we do? When the Israelites listened to Pharaoh, their life never got better. That's called dictatorship. When they listened to themselves and rebel against Moses, snake beat them. Many die. That's called democracy. Democracy. People, ways of doing things. Hello, this is the kingdom of God. And if you want more of God, you have to transform from dictatorship to from democracy into theocracy and say, God, I'm not here to vote. I'm not here to get, give my opinion. I want the word of God to become the final authority over my decision. I want what the Holy Ghost has for me. Glory be to God. Too many people are playing church. And they wonder why they're not blessed. She made room for the supernatural. And I believe that this is a good time this year. We're just in the beginning of the year. This is a good time to make room for God. Hallelujah. It's a good time, God. I want to I give you my time. I want to, you know, some people can't even understand when you are dedicated to God, they don't understand. They say, how can you travel so much? How can you travel so much? You're never home. Only home. 45 days a year. Always on the road. Going and coming. Why do you like to go to countries where they don't even speak your language? They don't even like you. They don't even look like you. What are you doing? She can't understand me. I am crazy for God. I have been touched by God. Oh, I lost my reputation a long time ago. Glory. It's too late. Paul said, I'm already a dead man. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta make up your mind, man. You're in it to win it. 
She can't have one foot in and one foot out. She had to jump in with both feet. She got to make room for the anointing. Let God control your time. Let God control your money. Let God control your decision. Make room. And all of a sudden, there comes a visitation. And you have an anointing in your life that is tangible. When you pray, heaven will answer. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. She made room. Tell somebody you got to make room. Make room for the anointing. Make room for the power. But in order to do this, Mama's day, in order to do this, she was dealing with a limitation called the wall. The wall. She had a wall. The space in which she dwelled was too small. In order for her to accomplish what she wanted, she had to knock down a wall. Hello? Anytime you have a vision that comes from God, a lot of times you will feel as if you don't have what it takes to do it. In other words, you always say, we don't have the money. (laughs) We don't have the money. We don't have the people. We don't have the time. A lot of times when God gives you a vision, that's how you feel. And for you to step into the next stage, you're going to have to learn how to break that limitation. And when she broke the limitation, something became possible in one space that was impossible in another space. One one of her wall and one of people's wall is what? Is a small mindset. How you think. You may not have a physical wall, but your wall has to deal with your mindset, with your paradigm. Hello? You see, even being in the presence of the prophet, she could not see in her mind how. She could not move beyond her limitation. See how God could do this miracle. And sometimes that's the same problem with us. The Bible said, as a man thinketh, so is he. There were two men who grew up in the same house. One became a successful businessman. The other became an alcoholic and a drunkard and a drug addict. They interviewed both of them and said, how come you became an alcoholic? He answered, my father was alcoholic. Therefore, I became alcoholic. They asked the other, how come you became successful, a successful businessman? He said, my father was alcoholic. Therefore, I decided to go this way. Hello? You got to take your pick. Albert Einstein said, the problem cannot be solved with the same level of thinking that created the problem. In order for the problem to be solved, the thinking that created the problem must be changed. Hello? So a lot of, a lot of what we do sometimes in church is plastic surgery. I'm not against you. You can do a plastic surgery if you want to. But a plastic surgery only changes your outlook on the outside. You can have a plastic surgery and move to a new city. But guess who you're bringing with you? Your old self is bringing with you. The old, your old self is coming with you. So what you got to have is a change from within. A change of a mindset. A change of a mindset. 
change your mind, change the world, your world. Some of us, the reason why we're limited, it has something to do with our paradigm. The thought pattern and process that forms our personal belief system. And it's a fight. We are in a fight, a fight for our destiny. And this is what is stopping us. It is a wall that has to come down. Only two types of people don't change their minds. Fools and dead people. Hello? You got to change your mind. You got to believe. You got to believe and say, I believe, therefore I receive. I believe God can do it. I believe God can heal. I believe God can deliver. I believe things can turn around. I believe I have faith. I am going to sow. I am going to support this work. I am going to do what it takes. I'm going to be there to help. It's not a big church yet, but I'm going to be here. I'm going to put my time. I'm going to believe everything big started small. Hello? And unfortunately, today, according to statistics of church growth, only 20% of people in the church do 80% of the work. Hello? Because some people are eternal guests. They never get involved. 20% of people in the church do 80% of the work. Think about it. So, you have in the church, you have people coming church into three concentric circles of church growth. You have the core. That comes to sacrifice with us. You have the congregation that comes to celebrate with us. And you have the crowd that comes to see us. But only 20% of people are actually sacrificing. The scripture says in John chapter 11. When Jesus changed the water into wine. The scripture says the master of the feast did not know where the wine came from. But the servant knew. Hello? They knew where it came from and the anointing is in the cluster according to Isaiah it's in the cluster it's in the grapes it's in the grapes the anointing is in the cluster it's in the cluster of leadership it's in the cluster you cannot have sweet wine with sour grapes and you cannot have sour wine with sweet grapes so it's the kind of people that are in the church so if God has called you to this church you have to make sure that you are sweet and that you come together to produce this wine called the anointing so you're going to have to sacrifice, you're going to have to give you're going to have to get involved, you're going to have to support your pastor support the vision of the church you're going to have to change your mindset because if this ministry is going to take off it's going to take people in this church uh, building a culture of honor and aligning yourself with corresponding action with that culture and that vision then others will follow because when there is a culture or a vision and there are no corresponding action from leadership what it does it creates a subculture everybody is doing their own things but we have to come into alignment and break that mold and break that mind and come together somebody say about this time Next year, about this time, next year, things are going to change. For some people, it's the mindset that has to change. For other people, it's your relationships. Do you realize that this woman's miracle was connected to the relationship that she had with the prophet? Believe me or not, relationship. Are the mechanism of destiny. Hello? And a lot of Christians are not relational. Therefore, they cannot leverage, God cannot leverage this aspect of their lives and they're always limited. If you look at your life, 
honestly, retroactively, and look at the breakthroughs in your life. The moment your life changed. If you look at the breakthroughs in your life, they were significantly connected to a relationship that God introduced to your life. Hello? And you have to build relationship. This woman built a relationship with the prophet. So when she couldn't have a child, God used the prophet to bless her. Listen, I'm not saying that man is a source. Man is the resource, but God is a source. But God uses people. Hello? When there was a famine that came, this woman escaped the famine because of the relationship she had with the prophet. He warned her about the famine and she escaped seven years of famine. And when she came back, she lost her land. She lost her house. At the moment she arrived to try to get an audience with the king, it was the same time when the servant of Elisha was talking to the king about her and the miracles that Elisha did. And at that moment, he said to the king, Oh, king, that is the woman I'm talking to you about. And the king said, Give her her land back. Give her her house back. Plus seven years of harvest in her land. Don't tell me that relationship, relationships don't matter. Hello? Association produces manifestation. And the wrong association will produce the wrong manifestation. And the right association will produce the right association. The, real, the secret of the double portion of Elisha was his connection with Elijah. The secret of Joshua's strength was his connection to Joshua. The secret of 12 men, unlearned men who turned the world upside down was the relationship with Jesus. Show me who you're listening to and I can predict your future. Show me who you spend time with and I can predict your future. And relationships are the platform of spiritual warfare. And the will of God or the will of Satan will be delivered into your life, not by a demon or an angel, but by somebody. Hello? And some people are around you because they're connected to your history. But God will bring people around you that are connected to your destiny. And people connected to your history resist change in your life and progress in your life. And when you have progress and change, you're met with a new level of content, contempt because they, they are threatened by your success. They don't want to see you succeed. They don't want to see you achieve. They don't want to see you rise because your blessing will shine a spotlight on their curse and your success will shine, will shine a spotlight on their failure and therefore they feel threatened by the fact that you are getting blessed and that you're getting ahead. There are people who are dream makers and there are people who are dream killers. Some people are midwives and other people are abortionists. Some people want to get close to you so they can spiritually assassinate you at close range. And you got to have the discernment to know their relationships that you put yourself into and their relationship that God put you into. And all of this has to do with destiny. Somebody shout about this time. Next year, the low place will become your high place. Somebody shout new platforms, new connections, new relationship, new favor, new money. Hallelujah. Let me then close this now. So the scripture tells us that. Do you enjoy this preaching? 
So let's, let's bring it home. The scripture tells us that she had a child and the child grew up and it was harvest time. And he was playing in the, he went to the field with his father and he said to the father, my head, somebody say my head. The scripture tells us that he had a heat stroke. He had a heat stroke when? At harvest time. You see, when it is time for your harvest, the enemy will attack you. And most of the time is going to be in your head. And the attack, the satanic attack is designed to steal your harvest. And usually it will happen through an offense. Something that somebody will do. And it's going to be the bait of Satan to take you out of your game. You're working at a company and you don't know it. Your managers, they're looking at you. They're saying, you have an incredible stamina. You're an incredible, great worker. They want to open a whole department for you. They're going to increase your paycheck. They're talking about all of this. But at your job, they're two co-workers. They're like demon-possessed. They irritate you. They, they just get on your nerve. And you're saying to yourself, if they do this one more time, I'm going to turn in my resignation and I'm walking away from here. And guess what? The next Monday when you show up, they do exactly that. You get angry, you turn in your resignation, and you walk away because you're offended. And Satan is laughing in the background. He just stole your harvest. Five years of hard work was about to be rewarded, and you walk away because of an offense, and you lose what God was about to give to you. Hello? Offenses. Offenses will come. Hello? People. People can be mean even Christian and the best of us have heard it people sometimes without wanting to do so but the thing is you cannot allow what has happened to you to control the rest of your life because the enemy's plan is to steal away from what God has for you by allowing a root of bitterness to develop in your spirit a honeybee can only sting a person once and then die shortly after that. And there are a few of us that are allergic to it to the extent that we can actually die. But if you don't remove that stinger from the, from the bite, from the, from the place where you got stung, it will continue to pump the venom inside and the symptom will become worse. When you got wounded and you got hurted and you don't deal with the issue by forgiving, not because they did what they did was right, but for your own health, you're getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Unforgiveness and resentment is like taking poison and expecting someone else to die. Somebody say, build a bridge. Do this. Say, build the bridge and get over it. The attack is in your head. So, ladies, the next time he comes home and said, I can't believe this. You have not cooked. You say. (laughs) Build a bridge and get over it. The attack is in your head. The devil is trying to paint a blink picture about your spouse, about your relationship, about the church to try to discourage you. But you got to build a bridge and get over it. And so they took the child dead. They put him in the bed of the prophet. You see why it's important for you to build 
a room. Because in time of crisis, you have a place to run to. When you've built a history with God, a relationship with God, when you get attacked, you don't run away from the church. You don't run away from the presence. You don't say, where is God? How can this happen to me? How can I lose a child? No, 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 no. You run to the presence, to the secret place. And when she got into the secret place, and when the child was put in the bed of the prophet, what was in the room? In the room, there was a bed. What is a bed? A place of healing and restoration. When you come to God into the secret place in times of crisis, in the presence of God, there's a place for healing and restoration. What else is in the room? There's a chair. It represents authority, taking your place in Christ. What else is in the room? A table. He will set a table in front of my enemy and anoint my head with oil. It means provision. What is on the table? A candlestick, a light, illumination, and revelation. In times of problems, you go into the presence of God. God will give you a revelation about the situation. And when the prophet came, he stretched himself over the child and put his mouth on the mouth of the child and put his hand on the hand of the child he put his mouth on the mouth of the child what do you do when you're in a crisis put your mouth on Jesus mouth and speak the word of God and say what Jesus would say he put his hand on the hand of the child put your hands on Jesus hand and do what Jesus will do hallelujah when you put your mouth on Jesus mouth and say what Jesus will say when you put your hands on Jesus hand and do what Jesus will do all of a sudden you step into prophetic alignment and the thing that was dead comes back to life. Hallelujah. If this is your church, put your mouth on Pastor Doug's mouth. I'm not asking you to kiss him. What I'm saying is, if he's your pastor and he said, we're going to do this. I say, well, who does he think he is? And Pastor so-and-so was here. We never did it like that. It's not going to work. Hello? Put your hands on pastor's hand. And if there's a church here, everybody engaged, put your eyes on your pastor's eyes. Have the same vision. Say the same thing. Work on the same thing. Before too long, this church is going to go to the next level. Before you long, this church is going to grow and expand and grow. And this building is going to be small. You're going to go to a bigger building and things are going to happen because there's unity. I'm done preaching now. But boy, I enjoy doing that. Glory be to God. Say glory. Are you ready for your breakthrough? I say, are you ready for your breakthrough? Are you ready for your breakthrough? We are going to pray. And I believe something significant is going to transpire. I believe there's going to be some heavenly transactions. And that the angels are about to be deployed on your behalf. I believe something great is going to happen. Glory be to God. Before we do this, we're going to receive an offering. How many of you were blessed by this ministry? The scripture says that if you, if you, if you receive teachings, you should share in good things with the one who teaches. Luke chapter 8 says there were some women that supported Jesus' ministry. Paul uh, spoke in Philippians chapter 4 verse 15. He said, no churches communicated with, with me in giving and receiving except you only. Hello? 
ministry are supported by people's benevolence and generosity. That's how it works. But I want to encourage you, don't just give for giving's sake. It's a spiritual thing. Here men receive it. There he receives it. The offering we're taking tonight is going towards Burkina Faso and helping us in what we're doing over there. And you're going to make a check to River Life and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to um, write a check to us. So, Pastor, would you come forward? Amen. Let's pray over the offering. And when you make your checks, make them payable to the rivers. And then we're going to do one check to them. So let's pray and ask God's blessing on that. Father, we thank you for what you're doing and what you have done today, God. We uh, thank you so much for being here and, and present with us, God. We thank you so much for who you are. And, Lord, we just thank you and believe in our future, God. And so, God, we ask that you would take these offerings, Lord, um, and you would use them to further this ministry and continue this ministry throughout the whole world, God. And we just pray, God, that you, that you would take this and multiply it, God, and make it a blessing to this, uh, to this ministry and this family, God. So we ask in the name of Jesus that you would do this, and we pray this in your awesome name. Amen. Amen. Amen.